Welcome to the In Pursuit of Branding podcast. I'm Kelly Whitman, a brand strategist, designer, wife, mom, and avid reader. Through my work, I've helped hundreds of purpose-driven businesses build strategy, meaning, and connection into their brands so they can do more good work in this world. You are enjoying this podcast ad-free because of the very generous support of subscribers on Substack. You can learn more and subscribe at kellywhitman.substack.com and continue the conversation about building a people-first business. If you're a service-based business owner, creative entrepreneur, or consultant who wants to build a business doing work you love while also supporting your life, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello, friends. I am very excited to introduce you to the wonderful Tiffany Haft. She is an operations specialist, founder, and owner of Fierce Decorum Business Management Agency, and she's also a mama of four. She spent the last 20 plus years working behind the scenes in businesses as a trusted leopard-loving sidekick. And I am lucky enough to say that she helped me and the back ends and operations of my own business uh, this last year when I was working with Witten Company, her and her amazing team came in and offered some much needed support. She helps high level creative entrepreneurs identify, strategize, and implement a solid business blueprint to focus on their zone of genius while their business runs in the background. She loves implementing strategies that help CEOs work smarter and more intentionally and help them focus on creating a business that allows them to live the life they desire. She lives in Hamill, Minnesota with her husband, Steve, and their four kiddos and their Doberman Rocky. I'm very much excited for you to hear this conversation. We're going to be chatting all about operations and more specifically how you can get started. If you're in this space of systems and workflows make you feel overwhelmed, TIFF does a great job of breaking it down into some manageable bite-sized nuggets and action steps that you can take and implement today. So let's dive in. Hi, Tiff. Thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to have this conversation with you today. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I love chatting all about systems and processes, so I know this is going to be a good chat. Yes, 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 yes. So for anyone who doesn't or has yet to meet you, can you please share a little bit about you, personal and professional? For sure. Uh, So my name is Tiff Haft, and I am a operations specialist and founder and owner of Fierce Decorum, a business management agency. And really our specialty is helping get CEOs out of the weeds of the day-to-day, systemizing, optimizing, streamlining their businesses so they can live their best life. And usually that doesn't mean working 90 hours a week. Um, (laughs) I'm also a mom of four. I have two teenagers in my house, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, So I have a 15-year-old, 13-year-old, nine and seven-year-old. So we are a busy family, lots of activities. Um, yeah, I live in, on the Western suburbs of Minneapolis and yeah, we have a dog, a Rocky, a Doberman named Rocky as well. So you're telling me that systems are really important in your personal life as well as your professional life. Yes. Systems (laughs) and other people, delegation, delegation and systems, the two most important (laughs) things in life. Which is a great segue into our conversation today. Uh, when I was thinking about having service providers on to support other service providers. Obviously operations and system is, systems are just a huge part of that and you came to mind right away. So I've, as I've been thinking about how to plan the attack of this conversation because it is such a big, it's a big topic, right? Or operations, mm-hmm. systems, and even delegation. So 
maybe this is kind of a, a meta question, but where is really the best place to start for, as a service provider, I'm thinking about, okay, I've got, there are things that I might be able to systematize. I know I need to work on operations. This idea of workflows can even come into the, the conversation. Really, where is the best place to start for someone who's brand new to this world, or maybe they've only dipped a toe? Yeah, well, I, I will give this disclaimer. I think a lot of business owners that are starting to scale and see success, they think they need an assistant. And I will tell you this, if you're a hot mess of a business and things are everywhere, assistant is not the first place to go. So I'm just giving that. Um, you can't bring an assistant into your shit show. Like there, there needs to be some processes in place first before you bring other people into that. And I think that's, I'm, I'm trying to spread that message as much, much as I can to the masses because we so often get stuck in that trap. So with that caveat being said, really my favorite systems to start with are client management and project management because they will make the biggest impact early on in a business. It doesn't matter if you have one client or 40 clients or more, if you can address those two kind of main big systems in your, in your, in your business, it's going to make a big impact. And with client management, I'm really talking about that process that takes a potential client from initial inquiry, the first time they reach out to you, whether that's a DM, uh, you know, form, on your website and email, whatever, through the onboarding process of them actually being an official client and then through your delivery of whatever your service or product is. So you kind of have these three buckets of client management. You've got the first inquiry phase where you're getting on a call, sending them a proposal or getting some sort of scope of work sent to them. You're then onboarding them as an official client. There's a lot of back and forth in that process. There's a lot of like um, information you have to gather from them, information you have to share to them. And then there's like your delivery. All three of those, there's a lot of touch points. There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of opportunities for time sucks and for inefficiencies just naturally with those processes. So really identify, like looking at those processes, mapping them out and figuring out, okay, what are the, the things I can automate? What are the things I can streamline? Line. What are the things eventually I want to delegate that I don't want to own? Or maybe I have, um, I use a system and we're going to talk about um, systems in a little bit, but maybe I use some sort of system or CRM to manage some of this stuff for me. So that's the one piece of it. And then the other piece is project management. As business owners, we all have little pokey tasks that are like attacking us all day long. Like, do me, no, like it's time to you to, for you to work on me. And so having some sort of project management tool that is helping us to stay organized, stay in alignment with our big goals, make sure we're not just, you know, we have a big boulder we have to move, but we're moving these like little box of rocks instead of like addressing the boulder. So having some sort of process or system that tells us what to work on what to prioritize, you know, kind of map out our, our schedule and put due dates to things. And if you're using your inbox for that, don't, it doesn't work. You shouldn't be using your inbox project manager day. Um, and so I would say those are probably the two biggest that can be the biggest game changers. If you can get a, like a bow on them and really figure out how to work well in those early on in your business. I, I love the idea of the two, the two buckets. And I want to back up and ask a follow-up question to what you said in the beginning. And I don't want to necessarily call anyone out, but because I know you've worked with a lot of service providers in this space of, you said, you know, if your business is a shit show, we don't want to talk about even hiring a virtual assistant or even really focusing on that next step of dabbling in systems. Could you give me just a few examples 
of things that maybe you've seen because you have access to behind the scenes or just at a high level, like, you know, this is your business probably isn't ready or it needs some streamlining before you dive into the systems and workflows. Um, some examples that people can, that really speak to this is what you need to maybe get a handle on before you then take that next step. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think we get stuck in the trap of like, I just need someone to do this work. But if you've been operating where your entire business is in your head, there is not a single person out there that can read your mind. So if you're expecting as a business owner, as, a, as an entrepreneur, we just naturally expect people to read our minds. That's just one of our downfalls, like as an entrepreneur. So just know that about yourself. Um, but if you're expecting someone to come into your business and just take things over, and also if you're hiring an assistant, that is way different than hiring an ops consultant or an online business manager. An assistant is a doer. They need to be told what to do. That's just, that's their role. So if you're expecting them to think for you and do ahead of you and kind of already know what you need done, those are unicorn assistants and they're really hard to find. So if you found one, fantastic, but they don't really exist. Um, I've had a handful in my day and they're lovely and wonderful. And um, uh, Kelly even knows one of my assistants that was like that, but they're really hard to find someone that truly is a doer that can think for you and is more entrepreneurial minded. So you need this, you need some sort of system that is going to tell them how to work and what to work on before you then bring them into your, your business. So for example, if you're a branding and web designer or like Kelly or some other designer, and you're like, oh, I'm going to bring an assistant in to manage my social media and to manage my inbox and my calendar. Well, if you don't have a scheduling link and you don't have a process for your posts and how you're approving things and who's building things and who's writing it, how are they going to sit down in the morning and know what they're supposed to work on, mm -hmm. right? They, they can't. So you have to have those systems in place before you then bring the doer in to do. And that's kind of what my agency is different because we kind of build the plane as we're flying it. We're fixing the systems as we're doing a little bit of the doing to really help our clients in that way. But that's not something that most like a virtual assistant is going to do unless they have some sort of operational background, then they can kind of dabble in that. But those people are usually more expensive and harder to find. So if that's what you need, you just need to know that going into it of like, okay, I need an online business manager or I need a VA who knows systems or has a systems background that can help build these processes as they're helping do the, do the work. Thank you for that clarification. I fell mm -hmm. into that trap in my first hire as well. Of Okay. I just need someone to take this off of my plate. I don't know, but then there was a lot of just miscommunication. And to your point, retrospectively, um, as I reflect back on that first hire, a lot of that was because I didn't have it documented. So jumping forward, you know, you talked about that as we think about operations and systems and workflows, you love to think about them or the first place to start in these two different buckets, which is project management and then kind of the client workflow. So thinking about these two buckets, is there one that makes more sense to start with? Of I don't have either a project management system that I'm utilizing and I don't have a client management workflow. Where, Which one would you say, yes, as a service provider, this is the one that I would pick over the other? Yeah, I definitely start with the CRM because good client relationships is what makes you money. <laughs> so you want your clients to be taken care of. You don't want to kill yourself 
trying to like send every email and remember. The other thing too, is I think we overcomplicate things and make ourselves try to remember everything. It's like, there are amazing tools out there that do this for us. Like we're in, <laughs> it's 2023, you know, like f- use the tools that are going to help you remember stuff so that you don't have to, to kind of keep it in your head. And I think that client piece is what's going to build good relationships with your current clients, have them be your best advocates to find other clients, you know, and if you can streamline that, you're going to be able to take on more clients because you're not overworked and stressed out. So I would definitely focus on if you're, especially if you're a service provider, really nailing down your client experience. And I would go one level further than don't just buy a tool and, you know, maybe use it, buy a tool and commit to it. And like use the heck out of that and learn all the facets. And there are people like me who can help you learn learn the tool. But I think the other piece of it is that a lot of um, small business CEOs don't do is they don't map out their client experience start to finish. And that is such a huge, important piece to this because how do you know what touch points you need and what communication you need to share with your clients if you haven't kind of gone through your client journey and mapped out those touch points? One example I use for this is like um, interior designers or architecture firms or construction, like anybody in that industry. It is a very long process. There are a lot of details. There's a lot of downtime while you're waiting for things to happen. If you are, if you do not have touch points with during that process, you're going to piss off a lot of clients because they're like, I haven't heard from you in three weeks. Like what's going on with my project, blah, 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 you know, like whatever. They're going to be frustrated. Whereas if you have those touch points throughout your process and you're like, Hey, you're going to not going to hear from me for two months. And that's okay. This is just part of the process. We're waiting for the house to be done, whatever. If you've already built those in, you're over communicating with your client in a very streamlined and strategic way that it's not adding more work to your workload. They feel seen and heard and you have a great client experience at that point. So you really need to put some time into like mapping that out. And then you take that map and you dump it in a CRM and automate the heck out of that as much as you can. What I love about that example and what you've even shared, and it was such a huge mindset shift for me and the work that you and I did together, workflows and systems aren't in operations. Yes, they're under operations, but they're really a client experience enhancer, which mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people understand. It's more of, I don't, and why it maybe doesn't get invested in right away or even to a certain extent because they think it's operations, not necessarily shifting that mindset and that perspective to know your workflows and the systems that you're putting in place that interface with the client. That's a customer experience line item that goes towards, and to bring it back to brand, that goes towards your brand equity and your brand mm-hmm. experience. So if you have a shitty customer experience because you don't have workflows or you're going four weeks without letting your client know what's going on, it's yes, it's an operations activity, but it really adheres to and aligns with your entire brand experience that, again, I don't think people really think about. And that's what I love about your approach and how you think through operations. It's it's not what tasks you need to be done or what things um, need to be checked off the list, but how does that fit into the customer journey and how someone operates and flows through your business, which I think is a really important distinction. So I want to just make sure I put a button on that. So from that perspective and taking it a step further, are there any quick workflows or even suggestions that you could give to listeners as they a sit with this you know, shift in perspective, but that they could implement relatively easily? Yeah. Um, so 
obviously looking at a tool, there's a couple that are my favorite. Dubsado is my favorite CRM tool. It's fairly reasonable. You can build it on your own. You don't, you don't, you can use a consultant. You don't need to. You can use a Dubsado builder. You can figure it out. It's not that complicated. HoneyBook is another one, depending upon your industry. I'd recommend either one. So just taking some time to look at that and see if that is a good solution because that in and of itself has the tools inside of it to do a lot of what we're talking about. And so you don't have to reinvent the wheel. The platform already does some of this stuff. It's going to send the contract. It's going to send the proposal. It's going to send the invoices. It's going to have canned emails in it. So it's going to make some of these workflows. You can build workflows in it. So it's going to automate some of that for you. Um, I think that, and then you, if you're, if you're like, no, I want to map out my client experience. One really fun way to do that, especially if you're a visual person is using an app called Miro. And it's like an online whiteboard. You can also um, use the whiteboard feature in ClickUp or other platforms or even Canva. And just like make that like flow chart of like, okay, I get an inquiry. Where are they coming from? What questions am I asking them? How am I vetting them? Then what happens next? Okay, now I'm going to send them a link to book a call. Then what happens next? And then I even like to color code that and be like, okay, what are the things that are on my plate? What are the things that are automated? What are the things that are on my team members' plates? And so using those color codes and then even building out the canned emails on that workflow, like making a little star, like, okay, this point, there's a canned email here that needs to get automated or this workflow. So kind of like visually things. And if you do it on one of those like digital platforms, you can move things around, which makes it easier than doing it on like paper. Or maybe you, you know, if you're, a, if you are a paper person, take a bunch of sticky notes and build it on your wall in your office. But Having doing that exercise will also show the sticking points and potential pitfalls of your client client experience because you're you'll be able to see, hey, there's a huge gap between when this happens and when this happens. And I get a lot of questions in that phase. Like I should probably have some sort of communication here. So I think just doing that, those exercises and then looking at some of these CRM options, even just those two steps are going to make a huge difference. And it taking that one step further. When you say mapping out the whole customer journey, do you recommend that they go from literally, you know, being unaware to then in the retention phase or are there little stops in between, like, you know, going through the unaware to when they, you know, subscribe to your email list or then they make a purchase. And what does that look like when you are guiding someone through that mapping? I focus less on the marketing side of it and more on the process side of it for like the work that I do. And I would say if you're really feeling the sticking point, really the marketing piece is like, okay, how are we engaging our followers and how are we getting them to take an action? The operational piece is they've already taken the action and they want, they are interested in our service. So really focusing on that piece of it of like, okay, they reached out, they emailed, they DM'd, they booked a call of some, they filled out a form. Okay. Now what happens? Like they're, they want to, to book time with us. They want to pick our brains. They, they potentially are a client. So what happens at that point? I think the marketing piece is its own entity and, you know, you can definitely ev evaluate that, but I'm like, if you're truly looking at how, how am I taking a client from, they are interested through, they're going to sign a contract. <laughs> and I would say if, if you're like, Tiff, the thought of doing all of this in one sitting is overwhelming. I, I wouldn't do that. I would focus on just inquiry through proposal, then proposal through contract signing, then onboarding, like chunk it out and do solidify a system for one section or one piece of it. And honestly, it's easiest to do this when you have a client going through, 
So I recommend, you know, oh, we got a new inquiry. Okay, I'm going to sit down and write, what am I doing right now? First, I sent them this email and then save the email as a canned email somewhere, like in a Google Doc, in your project management tool, in Dubsado, wherever. And then as you bring that person through, just document each step. And then at the end of it, you have an SOP, you know, and you didn't have to take any extra time than the time you already did delivering whatever you were delivering to that potential client. So I think that can be helpful. Um, same thing, that same kind of premise goes with every system in your business. Like one of the, when we were um, emailing back and forth, one of the the quick wins that I kind of had in my brain was like email labels in your Gmail. Like if you use Gmail, they don't call them folders. They call them like, they call them labels, right? Well, say you're like, okay, my inbox is a hot mess. I don't keep anything organized. And you start to develop out a, like a labeling structure. We'll take the same labeling structure and apply it to your Google Drive. Like don't overcomplicate things and make your brain have to, to work so hard. Whatever you decide is like, these are the files, duplicate that in your Google Drive and your project management system and your CRM, whatever. Like if you have a three letter naming structure for all your clients, use that throughout so that it's easy to find stuff. You have the same structure in every platform. So even just kind of thinking through those things, like every time I go to save something, I never know where to save it. Well, create a file structure and, and tape it up on the bottom of your computer so that every time you go to save something, you know where to put it, right? Um, so there's lots of things like that that you can kind of build as you're doing them. You just have to turn on the operation awareness. <laughs> like you need to take the blinders off and be like, okay, what can I operationalize? What can I systemize? Like, could this be simpler? Could this be easier? Could this be quicker? And I just always think like that. And I'm realizing not everybody does. So you just have to turn that on. That's the hardest part. I know for me, as I was getting into this and, um, you know, in the work that we did together, but even before bringing you on and, and bringing on team, this idea of just getting into that mindset. And then also to your point of not everyone thinks the way that you do, which is a shocker also as a business owner, um, that, you know, the team that you're bringing on, they're not going to have the same, they don't get to from A to B the same way that you do necessarily. And I know that was a huge eye opener for me because it was, well, of course it should be this way. And then I remember having a conversation with you and you're like, Kelly, this doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yes, it does. <laughs> but no, it doesn't to people who aren't you because your brain gets from A to B, which is why it's so helpful to then document it and have it down on paper so that you can then share it with others and have that support for potentially bring on team, but also just for the sanity for yourself. If you're a solopreneur and you don't have any desire to bring on team, it's also really helpful to just have these systems and structures in place for your own sanity. Um, not just because you don't need it just because you someday might want to have team. Um, it's really helpful just in organizing your business for yourself. So I know we mentioned Dubsado and you mentioned HoneyBook. Are there any other systems and Miro, um, any other systems or tools that are on your favorite list that you find yourself recommending to clients again and again and again? Yeah, I love ClickUp for project management. And we did, we talked a little bit about project management, but it's great um, because it's fairly inexpensive. Um, if if anybody's ever used Asana or Monday, it's similar, but it's, it's probably, it's more robust in my perspective. Um, it's way more robust than like a Trello 
And so I, I find a lot of solopreneurs start in Trello, but then they kind of max out what its functionality is and, and ClickUp's way better. Plus, if you do plan to scale at some point and want a platform you don't have to switch to later, um, ClickUp is great for team management. So that's probably my number one recommended uh, project management tool. Um, and they're coming out with 3.0 and I've already seen it and it's fantastic. So it's definitely worth, worth getting into that um, before they start raising prices because I know they probably will. Um, I think email marketing is always kind of, I recommend using some sort of system for sending emails because if you're doing that manually, that's so time consuming. So using something like MailerLite or ActiveCampaign or Nutshell, or I mean, they're Flowdesk, there's so many of them. And a lot of times those are more like industry specific, or if you have a specific industry, it helps to have, they have different features. So I would say if you are looking at that, like looking into those systems that work and then having a scheduling tool for your social media, because that is, you know, later planally. Um, what are some other ones I'm blanking on? Buffer, buffer, buffer is nice because it's free up to three platforms. So if you're just getting started, buffer is a great starting point, but it just takes the workout because you can batch your content, schedule a bunch of stuff. And honestly, you know, they say, well, it affects your your engagement if you're not posting it live. But like, if you're like me and I'm like 99% of my business comes from referrals, I'm just posting to like continue to build my um, network and to build the no like trust factor with my clients and the people who find me. I'm not necessarily using it to get 10,000 followers. Like that's not my goal. So for me, it's fine to just schedule the post because I don't have to worry about it. I batch a bunch of the content, the team schedules it out and it's good to go. So I think having those types of things, like looking at the things that the activities that you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I would even write that stuff down, like take two or three days, have a piece of paper on your desk and write down every little thing you do and then analyze it. Okay. What should I not be touching? Like what just is not <laughs> something I should be doing. And I'm continuing to do it because I feel like I should you know, it's like, stop shooting on yourself. Stop doing things you're not, you shouldn't be doing just because other people tell you you should be doing it. Um, and then look at the things like, oh, if I had a system for this, I could have either not had to do it or it would have taken me way less time to do this than it did on, on that. And so, and then you can kind of see your patterns of like when you work best, like that's another part of this, just knowing how you operate as an individual I know I'm great Monday, Tuesday, start to slide down Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. <laughs> so like if I had on my task list to write a blog on a Friday afternoon, forget it. It is not going to happen. So I don't do that to myself. I don't set my task list up for failure. I try to do my high brain power, high intensity tasks on a Monday or a Tuesday when I know I have the capacity to do those things. And then I do networking meetings on Thursdays and Fridays when I'm like, these are fun. I don't have to think too hard you know, things like that. So I think that's another piece of it, knowing yourself and doing some reflection on your tasks and the things that you're doing and then batching your tasks to align with how you work best. Yes, that's kind of, you already answered my last question. So I'm going to just build off of it because you've already given so many great action steps, but do you have one more um, that listeners can take this week related to this idea of systems and operations and workflows, in addition to all of the great, I feel like actionable action steps that you've already shared. I think, I think I'll expand more on the batching. Cause I think that's people are like, well, I don't batch. I'm a creative or whatever. I'm like, you can still batch as a creative. I worked with another branding and web designer who 
we realized like six months we were doing this process and it just was not working. And at some point we were like, it is not that the, 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 there's something wrong with the delivery. It's when you're doing it, when you're trying to do it as a, as a creative, we realized she works best the end of the week. She has to ramp up. So like she is really pokey in the beginning of the week. And as the week goes on, she gets her like creative vibe and energy and she can plug out a whole creative brief in an hour on a Thursday. But if I asked her to do the same thing on a Monday, it would take her all freaking day. So us in realizing that we're able to change our entire system of how we deliver things to the client based on how she operates best. So it's not that we changed or batched anything necessarily differently. We just changed the system to work better for her personality. So I think, but you have to do that reflection first to understand how you work best. And I think that comes down to doing that activity of just like writing your things down and paying attention and taking the blinders off and saying, when do I work best on this stuff? When do I have all the energy? And what are the things that are making me money? Like going back to the bottom line, when do I have to focus on that stuff? Because that's the important stuff. That's the stuff that's bringing me in revenue. It's taking care of my clients. It's doing all those things. So I need my my best energy to do those tasks and kind of building your schedule around that instead of just reacting to your inbox or reacting to client emails or reacting to people DMing you. Don't, don't go on other people's time. Don't give up that boundary. Decide when you're going to work, how you're going to work and own, own that. So that would be my last piece of advice. <laughs> yes. I love that. And I love how much reflection you're mentioning, right? It's not, when we think about operations and systems, it can be this very masculine, you know, cut and dry, hard edges, hard lines, straight and narrow, but you bring this really great femininity, is that a word, um, into the whole, I guess, space or category and this idea of utilize reflection and this mindset work and really getting quiet so that you can then do the operations in a way that works for you and not just um, thinking that it has to be this very rigid, structured thing that you bring into your business, but rather something that can be a little bit more fluid based off of how you work and you personally, um, which is what I, I love so much about you and, and your approach to your work. So, well, we could get into a whole other conversation about matching your your monthly schedule off your cycle and like <laughs> when you should be doing like vision tasks, when you should be doing like killer tasks. So like, there's a whole other season topic two. on that. <laughs> yeah, if you're coming back for season two and we will definitely talk about that because it is such a good it is such a good topic. And I don't think it's something that we, especially as women business owners here, first of all, in the, uh, specifically the digital space, but even just in the business ownership space of, you know, not a 24 hour cycle, but a 28 day cycle. And what does that look like? So yes, I'm putting a button in that and we are going to have you back for season two. So we can dive into all of that goodness. Awesome. So I like to wrap up with a segment that I call In Pursuit, and it's five questions. So from your perspective, what makes a brand remarkable? Excellent service and consistency. How do you build connection into your business? Just be a human. <laughs> just like just act like a human being, you know? Uh, we get stuck behind the screen and I think it's so easy to do that. So I just, I, I always show up and I always give as much as I can because I know it's going to come back. You know, I don't, I don't look at the bottom line. I was thinking about this this morning. I'm like, oh, revenue's down this summer. I'm like, ah, who cares? There's a lot of people that 
gain something from us working with them. And that's all that matters, you know? Yes, 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 yes. What does support look like for you in this season of business? Well, I found a nanny crazes. Uh, yeah, help. I think for us, we're really trying, we've, we've really established who we are, what we do and our packaging. And so now we're just trying to get in front of people. So, um, I need help with the marketing piece of, you know, being a full referral business. Eventually you tap out the people, you know, and so now I'm trying to know more people. Which maybe kind of brings into the the next question in the last six months, I know you've been tweaking your offerings. What have you tried that didn't work? And maybe six, nine, 12 months. Oh gosh. As a business owner, I think I've tried a million things that didn't work. (laughs) It's just, it's just like the life of a business owner. Um, We tried to redo our packaging in a way that I thought it should be. And at the end of the day, I went back to the way we've been doing it. I just tweaked, I just tweaked the deliverables a little bit to align with our growth, but I'm like, I don't know. It's, it's as a business owner, you just have to accept the fact that you're never arrived. You've never arrived. There's always things you're looking at. There's always ways you're improving yourself, your business, your team, your deliverables, And so just enjoy the process, enjoy the journey, just be on the ride. You know, don't try to be like, oh, I'm not her. I'm not doing this. Who cares? Be yourself and enjoy where you're at in the season because it's a lot more fun that way, honestly. Amen to that. All right. Last one. In the last six months, personally or professionally, what is one thing that you have said no to? Um, Being on the PTA uh, or being a room mom at school. Um, and actually for the last, um, my gosh, 13 years, I've done costumes for my daughter's dance studio and I decided to take a sabbatical this year. So, um, which was a huge decision because it's something that is a part of me and it was really, really hard, but I'm just like in the season that we're in with four very active kids and me trying to grow a business and my husband owning a business and we're getting more involved in the wrestling side of things because my husband's the president of the youth board. I was like, I just can't. I just can't spend hundreds of hours making costumes anymore. <laughs> and so I have my last show, which is the Nativity Dance Performance um, in November. And then I do not have to do any more costumes other than like being a parent. You know, you have to donate so many hours. But so that was like a huge, that was probably my biggest thing I've said no to in a really long time. That's a huge deal. I know how much joy it brought you. Also stress, but a lot of joy. Wow. Yeah. I ca- When I costumed the Nutcracker last year, I think it almost broke me. It literally cracked me. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. gosh. Well, I'm really, I'm happy for you and excited to hear how the spring and beyond. I'm just excited to have a Christmas break again. Yeah. I normally don't get a Christmas break because I spend the whole time sewing and gluing rhinestones and making hair pieces. And so I'm just, I'm excited to have Very a Christmas excited break. For you. Congratulations. Yeah. That's a really big, that's a big no. That is a really big yeah. no. Thanks for um, sharing that with us. And because, you know, on that note, I know people are going to love you just as much as I do. So A, thank you so much for your time today and sharing all of these wonderful nuggets on operations and systems and workflows. Where can people connect with you if they want to learn more, engage with you, follow you, do all of the, learn from you, all of the great things? Yep. Well, they can follow me at my personal Instagram. That's at Tiff Haved. They can follow our agency Instagram, which is at Fierce Decorum. And then you can find us at FierceDecorum.com.
Yay. Thank you so much, Tiff. It was a lovely to have you on and looking forward to season two. Thanks, Kelly.